actually in the middle of a series right now called Monkey See, Monkey Do. All right? This is labeled as a parenting series, but as I said last week as we introduced this, um, this really belongs, this is a good, a good series for anybody who has influence over the next generation, and believe it or not, that's everyone in the room. Everyone has influence because of the way we're talking about it, which is the idea of directing and modeling. Okay, this is, the, this is the whole theme of the whole thing. The directing and modeling. There's instruction that takes place and there's modeling that takes place when it comes to influencing our kids, influencing the next generation. We, we give you some scripture, kind of our theme scriptures. This is from Proverbs. It says direct, right? Direct your children onto the right path, okay? Which means there's a wrong path. We want to direct them, instruct them, and when they are older, they will not leave it. There's from the Psalms, we look at the fact that there is a, a truth. We will not hide these truths from our children, the truth of what God has done for us, the truth of what God is doing. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power, and about his mighty wonders. There's a part of directing. There's a part of this that we know has to happen when it comes to Christians, when it comes to the church, when it comes to Christian families, right? Now, training requires direction. We all know this to be true. Right? Doesn't matter the age, doesn't matter the job, doesn't matter the place in life. Training up and training requires instruction. It requires direction. It requires guidance. Right? And it doesn't matter the age. I'm 44 years old. I just went to spend a week with my family in Canada a couple weeks ago. My dad is 80. We went to coffee and breakfast a couple times when I was up there. And my dad is still giving me guidance. Nod your head if you understand what I'm saying. He's 80 years old. He is still giving me instructions. Right? And it's stuff that I value. It's the stuff that I want. So it doesn't really change when it comes to age or, or season life. We just know that it's, in, it's intuitive. We know that training requires this instructions and, and, and direction. So direction is not a problem, right? We just made the point last week that even though directing is important, the modeling is necessary, right? Because what your children reflect back to you is how they see what you're instructing them to do lived out in your life. That's why modeling is necessary. You're either a good matter model or a bad model. There is no option for a no model, right? When you tell your kids to respect others, when you tell your kids to love God, when you want them to choose love, when you want them to loving others, when you choose them to, you want them to tell the truth, they are, they are going to hear that instruction. But what matters more, what's, what's necessary is they're going to look at the way you model that instruction. And then they're going to reflect that back to you. The real truth, the real truth behind those instructions are going to be sent back to you. Now, the, one of the areas which we're going to talk about today, that this happens more than any other area. This is why we're going to spend a whole week just focused on this. In terms of our modeling this for our kids is in the area of discipline. And we're going to talk about discipline and behavior modification just from a standpoint of helping us understand kind of what parents kind of drift to and get sucked into. But discipline's a big deal. Why? Because kids are not only watching you and how you discipline them, because it's going to influence how they discipline their kids. But it's also a place in which we, as followers of Christ, are sharing with our children how God disciplines us and how we should respond to God's discipline. So there's really two sides to this. It's not just the future parents in your life, the future parents, and you're going to be great grandparents, and you want to do it right because you're going to have some nasty grandchildren if you don't do it right. You know, y'all yell with me? Okay. So just think ahead, make a long-term plan, right? It's a big deal. But also the fact that we want to model how God disciplines all of us 
and how we, how we are to respond in terms of how God disciplines. All right, so I want to talk about the, dis- the difference here because um, there is a culture around us. There is something in terms of the current model of parenting that does kind of drift towards just behavior modification. We'll talk about the difference here. We look at discipline as training to obey the rules and expectations using corrective measures, rebuking disobedience, and providing positive direction. That's, that's how we are viewing discipline. However, behavior modification is the alteration of behavior patterns through negative reinforcement, fear, and comparison, right? We just want the change. We just want them to stop this. We want them to start this. We just want to see the behavior change. And that's really what we look at in terms of behavior modification. Now, I believe you as a parent, if you are a parent in the room, you, you are going to float between these two things, more than likely. You're never going to be all one or all the other, okay? The goal is to be as much as possible discipline and not behavior modification when it comes to how you parent. You are going to sit here this morning and think about examples of your parents and what they did and how they responded and how they modeled either discipline, healthy discipline, or just behavior modification and what went wrong there. We're looking at these as as an idea that discipline has got the long-term view. It's got the long-term understanding and positive reinforcement that really goes to the heart of the child, goes to the heart of the next generation. Whereas in behavior modification is a very short win, it's a very short-term vision. It's usually driven by negative reinforcement, and it never, ever really captures the heart. Never, ever captures the heart. Now, I will tell you this, and I'm going to go off on a tangent just for a minute, but two of the things that I see kind of, kind of helping parents drift towards uh, behavior modification constantly, the two things I see that sort of cause this are fear-based parenting and the cancer of comparison, right? These are the two things I really feel like in our culture sort of cause parents who have the heart and intention to discipline their children and raise them in the admonition of the Lord. They have the desire to do that, but they drift to just behavior modification because of fear-based parenting and because of the cancer of comparison. Fear-based parenting is simple. It's just, it's parents who make decisions out of fear. And parents who make decisions out of fear raise children who make decisions out of fear, who raise future parents who are going to make decisions out of fear. Not your head if everybody's with me, right? That's what happens. And fear-based parenting is driven across the board. It doesn't matter the, the way it looks. Sometimes it's the protective nature. Sometimes it's the helicopter mom and dad. Sometimes it's just the feeling of, of, of uh, and the fear that your child's going to fall behind, that they're not going to make what they need to do, that they're not going to measure up, right? They're going to be influenced in the wrong way by others. It's going to be very performance-based parenting, Right? It often, again, it often causes parents to protect from and not train up. And there is a difference. For a parent that constantly is just protecting from your kids versus trying to train them up, right? I think you've heard Don say it before, Pastor Don, where he says, you know, we are raising future adults, right? We're not raising current dependents. And that has to do with your mindset, right? When you are raising current dependents, you will move to behavior modification immediately, because you want them to fix it now. But when you are raising future adults, you're going to have a mindset of discipline and correction in terms of modeling that for them. Now, the problem with the cancer of comparison is just simply the fact that in our social media sort of caught-up world, parents are struggling, right? 
because they, they see the comparison of children constantly everywhere they go. And Lake Norman is pretty bad when it comes to the educational side of this equation, right? Oh, my, my eight-year-old reads at a master's college level, or, you know, whatever the case is, right? They, you'll, see, you'll see all sorts of things, sort of just side notice, a side comment here or there, or really just kind of a praise aspect. You want to, it's kind of driven to praise their children, but here's the problem. When you have the cancer of, the reason it's a cancer this, in, in terms of this comparison is it's not about the children, it's about the parent. So it eats away at the parent. Nod your head if you're with me. It eats away at the parent. It has nothing to do anymore with the children, even though the children are the, are, the, are, the, are the view of comparison. It has everything to do with how mom feels about how she's doing, how dad feels about how he's doing. And it's a cancer. It will eat away at you. And it will cause you to move to and constantly drift towards just fix the behavior and fix it now versus actually having a heart for discipline a heart to correct. Now, sometimes I will often, depends on what we're talking about, I will, I will take Scripture and I will insert a directive in terms of some of the commands that we receive from Scripture. So, I do it sometimes with Jesus' words, right? Jesus says to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, right? So, for me, I sometimes say, well, that means you need to love your wife as much as you love yourself. You need to love your husband as much as you love yourself. You need to love your sister-in-law, right? Okay, just take it wherever you want to go. But we can say the same thing about our kids. We need to love our children as much as we love ourselves, Right? Jesus says, I want you to love them the way I loved you. I want you to love your kids the way I loved you. That's where the modeling comes in. Or maybe when he said, hey, the whole world is going to know that you're my disciple by the way you love your kids. You just insert that. One that I often give to parents in this kind of culture that's a challenge is from uh, Philippians. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others, you say my kids, above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others or your kids, right? Now, the problem is, is that this verse is a challenge because most current modern parents think that they're doing this because their whole world centers around their children. Their universe centers around their children. Their children have taken the place of God in their life. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. That is not the living out of this verse. The living out of this verse is the fact that God is the center of your universe and you are still the parent of a kid. You are still the parent of, some, of the next generation that you're raising, but you need to be able to view them as a person, Right? View them as a person. They are, they are people with personalities and souls and feelings, and they're not just little dependents. They're not just little gremlins, right? They're not, just, they're not just running around, and that one day they'll be an adult, one day they'll be a real person. They are immediately a real person. And when you view them that way, you have to be able to understand, well, what does it look like in this moment as a parent? Not to be so consumed with my own interest to look good at this dinner party. And I don't put the value of what my kid's going through above my interest. That's what this verse is talking about. Because you chose not to feed your kid, or you chose to keep your kid up late the night before. So of course they're falling apart. Of course they're a wreck. 
But in that moment, we will choose, again, behavior modification over discipline and think that we're actually doing something good. So I have a really good resource. I'm not teaching from it today, but I have a good resource, when it, especially when it comes to this fear-based fear and, and cancer of comparison. Um, this is two great, great books. One is called Grace-Based Parenting by Dr. Tim Kimmel. And it's a phenomenal book about how you view your children as people and how you can pursue their heart. Even through discipline, you can pursue their heart to raise them the way God really has called you to raise them. Now, his daughter also wrote a book called Fear, or sorry, Grace-Based Discipline. All right? Now, her, she's a little bit, she takes a little bit of a different angle, but it's still a very good resource in terms of what does it look like, especially when your kids are at their worst, what does it look like to, to express grace as you, again, in a healthy way, discipline your kids, right? So I'm not teaching on that today, but I wanted to just share that with you. Those are good, good, good resources. I have people ask me all the time, what's a great book to read? What's a good thing to read? I always, always, always recommend Grace-Based Parenting by Dr. Tim Kimmel. It's very, very good. And it really kind of hits a holistic idea of parenting the way God parents us and the way we parent our children. When it comes to, to, to uh, behavior modification, there's just, I'm going to give you four things, just four quick things I want every parent to stop doing right now, okay? Stop doing. Because this is not the way God parents us, and it's not the way he disciplines us. But we see this far too often in our culture in terms of how parents choose to discipline to get behavior modification. Stop doing these things. Don't correct or punish out of anger. We're not supposed to correct or punish out of anger. God does not do this with you, and therefore you are now the model as to whether or not you're going to do this with your children. Now, does it, not, does it mean that you're not angry when you have to discipline your children? No. Most of the time, 90% of the time, I'm furious, <laughs> right? But it is not out of my anger that I'm going to discipline, that I'm going to choose to correct. If it is out of my anger, it's almost always going to go wrong. Okay? I'm almost always, always going to have to navigate through tears and emotions the fact that I did something and said something in my anger. Apologize. Correct that. We're not supposed to do that. We're not going to use shame or guilt either. Because we know that shame and guilt will get us a desired outcome in the moment right? It'll give us a desired outcome in the moment. Have you ever heard parents, this is when I grew up, when parents have said, I'm going to tell Jesus what you did. Have you ever heard that, right? Okay, I heard that as a kid. Nod your head if you're with me, okay? I'm talking guilt, right? Going to church and did something wrong, I'm going to tell Jesus what you did. We do not use shame and guilt just to get the desired outcome of what we want in the moment. Stop this. This is not what God does with us, right? He's not so worried about you in this tiny little moment of your life that he's going to use shame and guilt to kind of quickly correct you so you don't make God look bad. And therefore, that's not what we are called to do as parents. And if this is happening, I'm telling you, you need to stop it because you are moving towards behavior modification every time. You're going to, you're going to settle for a short-term win over the long-term connection with the heart of your child in terms of correction and discipline. Two more. Don't mistake resistance for defiance. I pulled these, by the way, from Don's 21, uh, 21 uh, tips for parenting. This is don't mistake resistance for, de for defiance and don't mistake curiosity for rebellion or sinful behavior. Why? 
Because if you don't expect your children to resist, then you are not actually paying attention as a parent. Their job is to resist. Let me just go ahead and say that out loud, okay? Their job is to resist you, to push the envelope, to push borders, right? To push buttons. That's, their, that's what they do. It's natural for them. It's instinctive. They're going to push those things. When you, th- when you immediately respond that it's defiance, you are attaching a motive to their behavior. You are saying that they're, you are immediately assuming that they're doing that because of defiance. That's not always true. So you can't miss, you're supposed to guide that resistance. That's your job as a parent. Help guide their resistance. Okay, every one of my children were, were raised watching Curious George. Nod your head if your kids are on that. Okay, every one of my kids were raised watching it. Okay, what's this button do? What's this flag do? Uh-oh. You know, and that's, that's about almost always the Curious George episode. So I don't want my kids to think that curiosity is bad. So I'm not going to discipline when I recognize something as something they're doing out of curiosity. It doesn't immediately mean the motive is that they're rebellious and sinful. We have to be paying attention. This, again, when I want to attach motives to it, I'm going to quickly judge. I'm going to quickly make a decision on discipline. And it's going to move right to behavior modification. Just change that behavior. That's all I care about is for you to stop this or start that or change that. But I will never in a long term actually correct. I will never for the long term actually get to see the joy and the product of what healthy discipline looks like in my kids. Right? That's what I want. And this is another great one. This is going to go back to, to uh, Pastor Don. He does a, this is in our, we do this about once a year and we train, do some parenting conferences and things. And, and he gave us this. And this is one that I've, I've had written down ever since probably the first time I heard him say it, which is we do not, we discipline to correct, we don't punish for control. Let's just say it out loud together. Because if there's anything I want you to leave today, it's this statement. Let's just say it out loud together. We discipline to correct. Don't punish for control. One more time. Say it again. We discipline to correct. Don't punish for control. And you know when you do this. I know when I do this, right? All I want to do is control the moment. So I will punish you, (laughs) right? I know when it's about me and controlling the situation and controlling their behavior. Listen, most of the time when I say my kids are out of control, it's actually me who's out of control because I can't control them. So I'm bothered by that. It frustrates me. But discipline, healthy discipline, is always, 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 always to correct behavior. It's to correct them. It's to guide them. It's to lead them. It's to model for them what this looks like. Not to punish. Punish for control. So, as we look to God's Word, I just want to give you a few, I think, hopefully helpful guidelines that I feel like are helpful. Now, I'm not telling you how to discipline today because I can't, I can't even tell you there's a right way to discipline in terms of this step and this step and this step. I'm just going to give you some guidelines because I believe that's what the Word of God does. It gives us instructions and ideals. It gives us the guidelines of the fact that we as parents are called to discipline our children. We are called to guide, instruct, and direct our children and to model that for them. 
And so I'm going to give you some helpful guidelines that I see just in terms of the Word of God, Old Testament and New, of just the ideals and instructions for us as parents, okay? Four simple, helpful guidelines to help us, help us discipline to correct, not punish for control. First is to give clear and realistic expectations to our kids. All right, this is just, this, this is one of those things that's a precursor to discipline. But we have to be people who give clear, clear and realistic expectations to our children. I love this uh, passage. This is from Ephesians uh, 6. It says fathers, but I believe it applies, really applies to all parents, just in terms of how it was written and the way it was written. Do not, what's the word out loud? Say it. Do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. By the way you treat them. This is on you. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Maybe you learned this as a child of the admonition of the Lord. These instructions and the discipline of the Lord. That's what we're called to do. But we're not supposed to provoke them by the way we do it, by the way we treat them. And I think this comes a lot from the fact that we don't often have clear, right, clear and realistic expectations for our kids. And when you discipline over unrealistic expectations that they didn't meet, you really are just doing, you're just sacrificing future trust is all you're doing. Because the kid, the kid that you're raising or the kid that you have this responsibility to discipline, if you don't have clear and realistic expectations, they don't know where the line is, they're not going to trust you for when discipline's coming, right? They're not going to know. And so they're not going to trust you. You're sacrificing future trust. They're not going to know. When it's not clear and realistic, a child never knows, never knows if they're ever going to measure up, if they're ever going to fulfill what you expect of them. And listen, we have all seen adults, we've all met adults who continue to struggle to this day because they carry around the fact that they felt like they never made their parents proud that they never met the expectation of their parents, right? We've met these people. You don't want that for your kid. To raise up and I never knew if dad loved me. I never knew if he really believed that I could be who I need to be. I never knew if my mom, if I ever met the full expectations of my mom. Why? Because it wasn't clear. It wasn't realistic. You know, we oftentimes parent our children for the, ch- for the children we want them to be, not for the children who they are. We oftentimes parent for who we want them to be. You know, you're parenting your ADD kid as this calm, calm, intellectual, nurturing child. You want them to be that, so you will have an expectation that they're not going to be who they are, but they're going to be who you want them to be. And there's no more damage that can be done if you don't give clear and realistic for them, expectations. Which goes to a side note. This is a quick, quick side note. This is free. You didn't pay for this. This is free, okay? You know that we're not supposed to punish for mistakes, right? We're not supposed to discipline mistakes. Okay, kids are going to make mistakes. Okay, we do not discipline, especially out of anger, a mistake that has been made, especially from ignorance or from the unclear expectations that you have but you haven't really talked about or you haven't really set those guidelines. You, you really shouldn't do that. It's not what God does to you. 
He gives us his word. He gives us the word of God to give us those ideals and instructions so that we can know. But if we don't know, we don't read the word of God and we don't, we're going to have a hard time. God's not going to punish you for, honest to goodness, mistakes in your life. Not the thing, not the sin that we call mistakes. I'm talking about real mistakes, okay? He's not going to do that. I'll give you a quick, quick example. I don't like the fact that it's so fresh in my mind, okay? But yesterday, Charlie almost burned our house down, all right? Now, when it comes to fires in our kitchen, just in all fairness, I'm the only one in our family who has ever set a fire in our kitchen, okay? You can read Tracy's book and get that whole story, all right? But yesterday, yesterday I'm watching Charlie, and we bought a candle. You know, it was cool this weekend, and anytime it turns cool, Tracy's all, fall, you know, it's just wonderful, and we burned some sort of spicy fall candle or something like that. So we had it going. We had it sitting on our table in the kitchen, and, and Tracy was gone running errands, and I... I'm watching Charlie. She's fine. We're, we're watching TV. We're playing puzzles. We have some, some puzzles on the table. And uh, I have to go to the bathroom. I said, well, I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick. She said, okay, I want to go do some more puzzles. I said, that's great. Okay. It's, I'm not, you know, just like parents will tell you, I'm not gone 15 seconds. By the time I turn the corner at the front of our house to the back of our house where our kitchen is, I hear Charlie go, it's a fire. <laughs> of which, of course, I'm just assuming it's the candle, Right the candle. Now, she has responded before that way when the candle's lit, because she just doesn't like candles lit. As I turn into the kitchen, the table is on fire, okay? Now, what do I do? Well, I quickly respond. So, that's the first thing you do. Like, I respond. I get the, I get the fire put out. I put the stuff outside. You know, she is shaking. She is saying she's sorry, blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. It was, very, it was a very simple mistake, right? She pulled a puzzle thing out. She knocked the candle it spilled some, some wax over onto the cardboard of a puzzle box. Now, she doesn't know that that's going to spontaneously combust, right? I barely know that it's going to spontaneously combust, but it did. And as she's saying she's sorry, and as I'm doing this, you know, it is easy. It's easy in those moments to get really angry because, some, you know, it bothered me. Or, but just in that moment, I'm just looking at my little girl, and I'm just like, you know, she didn't know. She's four, you know? We have never had a conversation that said, by the way, don't spill wax on cardboard. It will cause a fire. <laughs> hey, we've never had that conversation. So what do we do? Well, we use it as an opportunity to teach her, right? Not, not, I mean, she's not going to fully understand. We said, hey, it's an, I mean, I was just thankful she didn't get burned, right? As a parent, I'm just thankful she didn't get any wax on her. And say, listen, it wasn't that bad. It was okay. It's fine. Like, we, we solved it. But listen, you need, to, you need to know. That's why we're careful around fire. That's why we do this. Versus just immediately trying to punish her for something that wasn't honest to goodness mistake. It's our job to guide and instruct, right? And to model. Even when those things happen, we're not going to punish for control. We're going to discipline to help correct behavior. The second thing is this. We want to discipline with love. This is going to, I think this is going to Proverbs. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves. Read those words. Those he loves. One more time. Those he loves. He corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Okay? 
That, that should always be our motivation. We're going to discipline with love. There's an easy way to, to, to the, because of the Scripture, there's an easy way to remember it. Discipline is love, right? Go to the next slide. Discipline is love, so we discipline with love, right? Discipline is love. The whole point of discipline is that it is love. No one's going to discipline someone they don't care about. That's, that's what we'll read several times in Scripture. God disciplines us because he loves us. So discipline is love. Therefore, we discipline with love, always. Always we want to reach in and touch the heart of our kid and touch the heart of that person we're having to walk through the discipline with. God does not discipline you without wanting you and your heart, not just to understand the discipline, but to understand the correction that's coming and to respond and know that he's doing this because he loves you. And he will find ways through his word and through other ways to help you understand that that, that correction's coming out of a heart of love, right? It's our opportunity that when we correct our kids to do so in such a way that they understand they love us. Now, I don't expect them to respond, right? You're not going to expect them to respond immediately. I am so glad you spanked me. I know that you love me, right? I am so thankful for this moment of correction, right? They're not going to respond that way. They're going to immediately assume that you hate them, right? That you're respecting them. But that's just, again, I don't need them to understand. I just need them to know as best as I can clearly communicate it, that this is love. And I want to discipline with love because God disciplines me because he loves me as I discipline you because I love you. The third is that necessary measures change, okay? Necessary measures in terms of how we discipline, they do change, right? Here's a great in terms of just measures. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children, but those who love their children care enough to discipline them, okay? This is not prescriptive, okay? That's why we don't teach the discipline like let's all get a rod and let's practice beating the children, you know? Let's just practice beating the children. No, it's a measure of discipline. That's part of what this was in terms of that time. There's a measure of discipline. I don't care how you choose to discipline in terms of the measure. Just know that the measures change. The necessary measures to connect what you're doing and the why you're doing it to their heart change over time. Yes, sometimes it's time out for little kids, and yes, sometimes it's a spanking, and yes, as they grow, it turns into groundings and other things. Like, I understand that it changes, and I'm not going to tell you one way or the other that one way is correct and one way is not. That's a social, that's a social conversation. I can't stand the, the, the extremes, you know, where somebody is somebody's so to the extreme that they don't want their child to ever feel, you know, feel hurt by what I did or feel like they don't, they don't, we don't love them. I don't ever want them to respond in that way. I don't want them to be, feel like they're demeaned, okay? But I also don't like the extreme of like, you can't lock them in the basement for their nightly beating. Like, you can't do that either. So I'm telling you, there's a healthy balance as long as you understand that the necessary measures change. How do you connect the discipline and the correction with their heart, with their emotions? I don't know if you knew this or not, but we all make our decisions out of our emotions. Everybody know that? Okay. All of us, including our children, make decisions off of what we feel, out of our emotions. If you can't connect the discipline you're doing to the heart, to the emotions, then you're not going to connect the discipline. I've told this story before, but I, I, you know, I was a young kid. I went up to the corner store and 
didn't have any money, but I wanted a chocolate bar, so I went and stole one, right? Went and took it. Came home, because I'm not smart. Came home with a chocolate bar. My parents started asking me, well, where did you get the chocolate bar? And I, I lied. Of course I did, right? Okay, all this is emotional. I lied. Didn't want to get in trouble. Knew it was wrong. Wasn't a logical choice. I felt like it. Took it. Stole it. Started eating it. My parents knew. My parents, <laughs> they knew. I'm a child. I don't have any money. I don't own anything. You know, I'm trying to tell them so-and-so bought it for me. Where, where is so-and-so? I don't know. You know, guess I'm not that good a liar either. So what does my dad do? Well, my dad marches me back to the store. I have to apologize to the owner, right? My dad has to pay for the candy bar. Like, like I feel humiliated. I feel ashamed, right? I do not look at my parents and think they made the right decision, right? I do not see this as loving. But now ask me if again if I stole another candy bar. No, right? Why? Because there, there needed to be some emotional, some emotional discipline and connection for me to deal with the fact that I wasn't going to make that emotional decision again. So I'm not saying, I'm just saying that you understand the concept there. Like, like sometimes when your kids are older, it's simple. Just take the phone away. Take the car keys away. Lock them in the room. Take the door off their door, right? I mean, some parents have trouble with that. I would never have a problem with that. I mean, you find what they love and you take it from them. You hear me? Right? <laughs> right? Why? Because emotion connects to the heart. The decisions you're trying to correct are emotional. But, but you, can't, you can't say, well, it's time out or it's grounding, and that's the way it's going to be forever because it's not always going to connect. It's not always the spanking. Is everybody with me? Nod your head. You, necessary measures change. I'm not going to always use the rod of discipline. It's just the, it's the natural aspect of measures changing as children get older. Here's the fourth one. Hopefully this is helpful. Consequences are opportunities. Consequences are opportunities. This is one of my favorite passages. That's why I saved it for last. This is from Hebrews 12. We, you, have forgotten the encouraging words. Hear this. This is the, the writer saying, you've forgotten the encouraging words that God spoke to you as children when he said this. My children don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you, for the Lord disciplines those he loves and punishes each one as he accepts his child. Right? He's like, these are encouraging words. He goes on to say, as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who has ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by their father? Nobody. If God doesn't discipline you, that he does all of, as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and you're not really his child at all if he's not disciplining you. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? Like, shouldn't we have this, if we understand what our fathers did? And I love it when he goes on to say, our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years. Read that line out loud. Doing the best they knew how, right? No perfect parent. We said that last week. You're doing the best you know how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. It's always going to be good. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Stop thinking your kids are going to enjoy it or not hate it. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way, those who are trained up, those who are instructed, those who are directed and modeled in this way. Right? It's not going to be enjoyable. 
Your parents are doing the best they know how to do. So I'll just say this. This is, this is where I, I, I hope this will encourage you. But this is a very, very difficult thing to, to give as a guideline because it really does require that you are listening to the Spirit of God. It requires that you as a parent are walking closely with Christ to really understand that consequences, the consequences that come with discipline, they are opportunities. First and foremost, it's a two-sided coin. First side of that coin is that consequences exist, right? Consequences exist. Life is filled with consequences. I think I said it a few weeks ago that every sin is packaged, prepackaged with consequences. And I don't want my kids to, to experience what several of the people right now, right now in their mid-20s are out in the workforce, and they, they were shielded from ever experiencing consequences as, child, as children. And therefore, they are not ready to face the adult world. I don't want my kids to be that way. I don't want to set my kids up for failure. They need to experience that consequences come with actions. It doesn't matter if forgiveness has been given. It doesn't matter if I've even disciplined them and they've been forgiven. There may still be long-standing consequences that happen because of their decisions. My kids need to experience consequences for their decisions. Maybe they're going to get kicked off a team. Maybe they're going to lose a job, right? They, they might lose a friend, and, and that will break my heart as a parent, but they need to experience consequences. That's part of life. But the other side of the coin is, the other side of the coin is that my life has been filled with the unmerited favor of God. I have been given so much grace in my life from my Heavenly Father I have not had to experience every consequence for my actions and my behaviors. I haven't had to experience all of them because grace exists. Grace is real. And so there are opportunities. There are times in which your kids need to experience consequences. And there are times in which your kids need to see modeled for them that although the consequences could come and come in a heavy way, that they are not going to experience it because of grace. And you're not always going to know when those opportunities are right, which one you need to, to lean, which side of the coin you need to use today. You're not always going to know. You're not always going to get it right. But if you go into an understanding that, look, the consequences for the discipline and for their behavior and for their action, these are opportunities Opportunities to teach them the reality of consequences, but they are also opportunities to express God's grace in their life where you take the consequence for them, where they understand that they're not going to receive the full brunt of what's happening because you have chosen to extend mercy and to grace to your child. Again, Opportunity to connect it with their heart. You want to connect it with their heart. You want them to know it's because of love. You want to know that this is the way God deals with us. This is how God views it with us. Sometimes he bears all the consequences and we don't have to experience it. Sometimes there's love and acceptance and forgiveness, but we still have to live through the consequences of our behavior. And God in his perfect wisdom always knows what's good for us. We won't always know, but if we're walking with him, 
for trusting in him to guide us? There are opportunities there. Again, these are just four helpful guides. I'm sure there's plenty more. At the end of the day, just understand that you are modeling discipline for your kids. You are not just modeling how to discipline for them as their future parents. You are modeling how God disciplines us and how we can respond to His discipline. I've already, as my kids have gotten older, I've already begun to share some experiences in my life where I've had to experience some consequences and I've had to be corrected and how God used that correction for my good. And as my kids get older, they begin, they're connecting the dots a little bit. Why? Because I hope they don't have to go through some of the same things I go through, that I went through. They're going to have to go through their own things. But I want them to know. I want them to connect the dots. I want them to, to, to understand the modeling that I desire to see in them and desire to be for them. At the end of the day, if you don't remember anything else, just remember this. We discipline to correct and not punish for control. And if as long as that's your heart, as long as that's your real desire, it's just a discipline to, to bring correction, not to punish to control, then hopefully you will lean more towards discipline, a healthy understanding of discipline, than you will a quick change or a quick fix and behavior modification for your kids. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, thank you for today. The way your word just encourages us even with things that we don't always find encouraging. God, I'm thankful that for every adult in this room, that you discipline us as a heavenly father disciplines his kids. I'm thankful for that. I'm usually not thankful in the moment, but God, over the course of my life, I've seen that your discipline works together for my good. God, I'm so thankful that, that you've created such a system that consequences exist. And, and whether it's for me or my kids, I understand that we need to get that lesson and we need to understand that consequences matter and that they are going to happen. There's no possible way I would ever want to shield my kid from every single consequence. And yet, God, thank you for the opportunities that you give me to show and express grace to the next generation. Just like you have so wonderfully done in my life, constantly with this unmerited favor that I don't deserve, that I didn't earn, and that because you love me, you wear the weight of that consequence. God, I pray for everyone in the room today that is raising the next generation currently, that you will give them opportunities, not just to experience, help their kids see and experience the understanding of consequences, but to express and live out and model grace for them. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.